1: Hey, we are in the second hour. I appreciate appreciated that uh, turn of events and a broadening of our perspective. Sean, I am very much aware of the reset and and many many of the applications there unto, and uh, I hope that our listening audience would um, redeem the time, go deeper into Christ and uh, and and obey His Word to tell us to be circumspect, knowing the times, because uh, because the days are evil. You cannot be oblivious. You should not be undiscerning. And you should be able to check your uh, normal bias uh, prejudice by uh, by by in, by being informed. That's how you do it. Let me go to Jorge on line number three. Jorge, are you there? Hello? Hey, what's going on, man? Yeah, uh, sorry, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Sir. Hey, what's going on? What's yes, your sorry. thoughts? Yeah,
2: I'm actually speaking uh, thinking- to The subject is today. I was thinking about the same thing over the weekend. Mm -hmm. I called my parents. They told me that back home in California, they're in a curfew, and that was I found that like kind of troubling to me. Um, But I also I also read an article on how uh, uh, Gavin Newsom um, uh, on the whole thing you're talking about. and hypocrisy yep. the and how he uh how he made a guidelines to I read the guy the article said I that I read uh um, sure. said to to eat to wear a mask even while eating to only take it off while you're while you when you take the bite and then put it back on once you're done once you've taken the bite which is ridiculous. So and then of course they find they find him with not not to his own guidelines. So, you know, it begs, it begs the question, like, why? So, like, why at least the question I thought of, like, so did they do, when they did the curfew thing, did they do it out of fear of COVID? Right. And clearly not, because he didn't even follow his own guidelines. Clearly he didn't. Because okay. he's not afraid of COVID, clearly. So then there's a question, why why? Why make this order? Why? Why enforce it? You know, so clearly he, he's not afraid of COVID, and clearly he doesn't—he's not concerned with the health uh, of the state of the people of California. You know, uh, San Francisco had a, when he, he was the mayor of San Francisco had a, a huge rise in homelessness, and the state of California as now he's governor is getting he, he's getting a huge rise in homelessness. Uh, of course, with the whole COVID lockdowns, it's not it's not doing really great for the people's businesses and people's mental health and all all those sort of things. And so clearly, he's not concerned with the pe- with the people's mental uh, health in general, and he's not concerned enough of his own health to be afraid of COVID. So, so you know, so what kind of the question are asking? So why are they doing what they're doing? You know no that's
1: that's a great really. way to response now do me a favor, cut your radio down if your radio's on uh that's a oh. great response that's a great response. Jorge uh, I definitely appreciate you thinking that through and I agree with you my my fundamental uh assessment and analysis about all of them is that they don't believe this is a serious virus. they know it's not, but it's a great opportunity and in fact, if one were to do enough research they would find Bill Gates having said this very thing, that this is a great opportunity for us to implement more uh, measures for the purpose of bringing the world into conformity to a reset. He explicitly said that, and this is why he's behind the vaccine, which we're going to be having deep and profound conversations about because of the contents in the vaccine and what the vaccine is going to do to people as well. Here's the sad story sad reality about what's happening, uh, Jorge, and that is uh, people are, are are lulled to sleep. People are spiritually blinded, and people are lulled to sleep. People are not concerned. They are not aware, and they are not talking. They're not having the conversation in any rational, cogent, uh, productive way with their family members. They're not having uh, conversations in a rational, productive way with their fellow citizens because they've already been trained not to engage <clears throat> in controversial dialogue. This is definitely uh, a, a Stepford Wives uh, a movement. This is definitely an uh, Orwellian uh, scenario that we're in. The next stage of deception and oppression and depression of the people will be silence. Uh, when people are overcome by enough fear, they won't say anything, and the government will keep doing what it's doing, and the people won't say anything. Now, I don't believe that uh, Americans are, are are made of that kind of DNA. I believe that there will be an uprising at a certain point, and this will be this will be summarily dealt with, even if we move into a second civil war. Because this is one of the reasons why Joe Biden wants to tax people who have purchased guns already uh, under the assumption that if you don't turn them in when there is a policy for turning in your guns, I guess he wants to implement that. People are not going to do that because they're not going to give up their ultimate freedom of property, freedom to possess their homes, because that's part of the agenda uh, as well of the Biden a uh, uh, platform. If people were to read the 120 pages of what he wants to do, and certainly here in California, that's what Gavin Newsom wants to do. People don't realize that is coming, and when it begins to uh, assert itself. Uh, and it will largely assert itself if, in fact, we have a great reset economically where we are moving from uh, a cash system to a cashless system. So I totally agree with you, man, uh, with with your view and your assessment on it. I'll give you the last word before we go.
2: Yeah, I just want, want to say, like, like, as far as what Gavin, Gavin News, Governor uh, Gavin Newsom is doing, like, we may not be able to say explicitly, you know, like, we may not be able to see his thoughts explicitly. That this is what he is trying to do with, you know, uh, what was why he's enforcing uh, the curfew and all these um, new new rules and things like that. These guidelines, but we can at least determine the outcome as if we just keep being silent about it or and being okay with it and like kind of just turning the blind eye because if we keep like. Not acknowledging like what's going on, like what will be, our hearts will be hardened to to what what he's doing, and then they're gonna use they're gonna use that to, to do other things. You know, yes sir. They've always, like, you got they've, it. they've already conditioned us. We've been they, they know what they can do. They know that no one's gonna rise up or say anything. They just so they they know they're gonna be able to do other things. You know, so we know the. Outcome. You got it, young, we young determine man. Determine what exactly you're trying to do, but we know the outcome at least.
1: Yes, we do. You got it, young man. Thank you for the call. You got it for sure. Let me go to Marlis on line number two before I go to a break. Marlis, are you there?
3: Hi. Um, How are you? Well, I'm not feeling too good, and uh, uh, I'm actually feeling kind of nervous. I have a question I'm going to ask you, and I'm afraid of the answer.
1: Okay. You can ask the question and then we're gonna take a break. That way we can all breathe. <laughs> and then when we come back with the great break, we'll see if okay. we can uh maybe ferret through through the implications of your question. Go ahead on and toss your question out. There's only tens of thousands of people listening to you. It's not, oh, not really okay. it's not that bad that big of a you, deal. Okay. Okay.
3: Do you believe that the Democrats rigged the election to cause mr trump to
1: lose that that's too naive of a question that's completely well, naive. well
3: well do you be well do you believe the election was fair the reason i asked the question is because after hearing the republicans so vociferously say that the democrats you know did stuff at the different election polls and whatnot particularly in the swing states I started to feel like maybe they did something wrong and that possibility is just really upsetting me. Now, okay, not should. Even, I'm not even pro-Trump. I'm not even pro-Trump. I mean, part of me was relieved that he was gone just because I can't stand his personality, his mean, his, well, I can't stand his abusive pattern. I'll call it that much. I can't stand his abusive words. All
1: right, so we're going to have to stop right there because i got to take a heartbreak. When I come back, I will actually expand upon your question because you are affirming, uh, Marlis, uh, that the preponderance of people can't imagine that we would have a country that would be so diabolically wicked and manipulative and controlling. But if you were at the beginning of my program when I had Jermaine on, and he talked about his friend who was from Venezuela, who saw this already happened before in Venezuela, and it so upset him that he had to have a drink. Then, as I had admonished our callers, Uh, Our listeners in my opening monologue, the reason we don't know is because we don't broaden our scope of knowledge about things outside of America to see what people on the outside of America know about what we don't know on the inside. And when we are living in a bubble, we don't know. And that is one of the traits of Marxism to keep people in a bubble so they don't know. Listen, I got to take a break. I'll be right back. All right, we're back. Uh, Marlis online too. Marlis. Are you still there? Yes, and I I want to know what I want you to uh, listen to me because what I want to do is going to be for the broader audience uh, because you're asking a very germane question. Uh, It's 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 too narrow for any. Uh, Real significance, you know, do do I believe that, you know, uh, the Democrats stole the election? No, I don't believe that the Democrats stole the election per se. I believe something else is going on. And what I want to do is premise that with a number of questions that I want all of us to think about. First question will be, is election fraud possible? First question, is election fraud possible? Second question. Has it happened before? Has election fraud happened before? Has election fraud happened in this country or in any other country around the world before? Um, Is election fraud possible? Has it happened before? Has it happened in this country or anywhere else in the world? Can we research and do the diligent investigation that a biblical judge should do to look for the patterns of election fraud in other countries and see if we can discover similarities. Fourthly, what is it, what exactly is the Republican or, or the Republican saying about the alleged fraud that's taking place? Not just a general emotional retort against it, but specifically... What have you heard them say? I'm not talking to you particularly, Marlis. I'm talking to all who want to throw their hands up in the air and and be upset because an allegation is being raised. What are they specifically saying? What are their arguments? What is their evidence? And what is their objective? Does one, is one listening very carefully to the Republican Party at this time? Because if you're listening carefully to them, They're saying some of the same things that the Democrats said back in 2000 when they asserted that George W. Bush stole the election. More than that, would you be willing, that's you in general, people, do the research, do the hard labor uh, of finding out whether it's possible that both the Democrats and the Republicans have employed this nefarious method of winning elections locally, statewide, and nationwide. And then finally, this is the question that I'm going to ask you. I do really have a couple more than that for you as an audience. Do politicians lie? Can a cabal of politicians lie? Can uh, an assembly of politicians lie? Can, 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 uh, Uh, A Congress of politicians lie. Can they work together in a kind of bubble in Washington or in Sacramento or anywhere else and fundamentally manipulate and lie to the American people? You have to answer those questions, ladies and gentlemen. You cannot act as if There is no plausibility to this inquiry. You cannot do that. You may not like it. You may not be comfortable with the idea that you have a government that would manipulate and lie to you. But I'm sure many of you have watched multiple movies over the decades about wickedness in our government. All you need to do if you really want to start being diligent about it is start with General Flynn. The lady they want to call crazy now, Sidney Powell, was the very one that demonstrated that uh, General Flynn was absolutely hoodwinked, he was manipulated, he was uh, lied about, lied to, and all of those charges were designed to get at Mr. Donald Trump, and they had to drop it because of her diligence to smoke out the very terminology that the FBI basically said, we want to get Donald Trump. And uh, Hillary Clinton was behind it, as well as Barack Obama, and that would have also included Joe Biden, because they were going after Mr. Trump even before he got in office. Now, the only reason you ladies and gentlemen don't know this is because you cherry-pick your information. You really aren't interested in the broader scope of the information base that's out there so that you can exercise and advise decision. The proverb says it in Proverbs 18:17, and God has told us to do this. He that is first in his own, own cause, the person that runs to you and says, this individual did this, seems justified. But your job is not to be quick to respond. Your job is to be quick to hear. That is quick to hear, slow to speak, and therefore slow to wrath. Investigate, do the diligence, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Uh, try the spirits, whether they be of God or not. Make sure you have a discerning spirit to know whether or not you are exercising an objective, critical, informed, biblically informed, socially informed, politically informed basis for your conclusion. Your conclusion is only your your opinion, but we're free Americans, ladies and gentlemen. That's the thing that I'm worried about. We need to be free enough to have these dialogues and these conversations. Somewhere within the context of our freedom is the answer. But if we get to a point where we are too afraid to have Have this kind of civil discourse, this civil debate, this civil conversation, this deep probing analysis of the possibility of things or the plausibility of things, we are ruined. If we don't get past our emotions, if we don't start operating out of logic and coherent thinking and rationalism and evidential uh, fact-based Uh, dialogue that allows us to begin to uh, have an informed discussion about things, then all we're going to find ourselves doing is choosing sides, which means we are all slaves, still on the plantation, whether blue or red or what have you, because ignorance leads to bondage. Truth leads to liberty and freedom, even if it may cost you. And so that's the thing that I'm going to be encouraging every one of us to do. Uh, Stop being lazy. It's it's not about how you feel. It's not about how you feel. You don't vote for a president by how you feel. That would be betraying your identity as a believer. So with the mind, we serve the law of God. We are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We are to be discerning Christians. We are to be illuminated men and women. We are to be studious men and women. We ought to be pursuant of an understanding of our world. That's called being circumspect because the days are evil. We ought to be knowledgeable about the methods of the wicked one. We ought to be clear about the nature of politics and religion. There is a deep state and there is a deep church. And this is what we're learning about Catholicism, but be sure that it's also what's going on In evangelical churches, and God is so good right now. He's so good. This is what I said to my congregation on Sunday. I'm so thankful that for the moment, we have the freedom of information. The, The objective of the politicians who want to hoodwink you, which is what our master said, they are deceivers for they tell you to do things that they will not do, and they will not lift the burdens they put on you. You and I are feeling it right now. The beauty of where we are, ladies and gentlemen, is that we can do the investigation, we can do the research, we can do the study, we can do the analysis. Just the Freedom of Information Act for a person that's gonna be diligent in their detective work allows you to expose a lot of things going on in the local courts, in the state courts, in the national courts. And you can be very informed and you could bless us with what you really learn about what's going on. But we've gotta get past two things, emotions, and mere baseless, uh, undisciplined opinions about what's going on, because that's exactly what our government wants us to continue doing—just groveling in the uh, morass of opaqueness rooted in how we feel. No Christian should be simply operating out of feelings. We just should not be doing. We should not be doing that. All right, I got to take another break. I really do, but I hope you hear what I'm saying because the church can't help the world if it's not prophetic and if it's not priestly. You can't help the world. You can't help your members. Your members are trying to figure out, pastors, what's going on in this crazy world. And if you are not doing your diligence before the throne of God, crying out to the Urim and Thummim, which is Jesus Christ, and asking the Holy Spirit to guide you into truth that allows you to see into and penetrate into what's going on in your own country— then we're just as blind as everybody else is. I'll be right back. All right, we are back. We've got two lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. If you want to join us on this Monday edition of Life Online, let me go to line number three and talk with Faye from Oakland. Faye, are you there?
4: I am here. Hi, Pastor Christine. How are you?
1: I'm great. How are you?
4: I'm fine, thank you. I have a couple of comments to make. Um, I am 60 years of age, and I've been voting ever since I've been old enough to vote. Mm-hmm. In my lifetime, I don't ever recall there being a president that was uh, a man of God or followed after the after the heart of Christ. I could be wrong, but I, I don't recall it. Um, I vote... Because, first of all, I'm a woman of color, I'm a black woman, and I think it would be a huge disservice to my ancestors and the people that have died in order to to cast a vote. So that's number one. That's why I vote. Um, as far mm-hmm. as. Um, what's his name? Uh, the governor. Um, Newsom. Just went
1: Newsom. Governor Newsom.
4: As far as go- governor, governor Newsom and and and. and Um, uh, Nancy Pelosi and her getting caught going into the salon and not wearing her mask and him going out to dinner. This whole system with politicians, this is the world system. Would you not not say that it is?
1: Of course it is.
4: Okay, so I don't really, I, I think that it's more or less do as I say and not as I do, where my main concern is. My main concern and my trust is in the Lord and covering myself with the blood of Jesus and doing what I know to do to protect myself and to pr- protect others. As far as this system goes, we are in the world. So there are certain things that are in place that are going to happen. And Christians just have to learn how to pray and, and go before God and ask for discernment and ask the Lord to lead them and guide them. That's where I am. As far as, you know, I, I voted for Donald Trump uh, in 2016 because I listened to the leaders in my church. They didn't tell you to vote for Trump, but they were basically saying that he was pro-life and he loves the Jewish people. And so that's why I did. Did I vote for him this time? No, I did not. Um, I think that people say that he's a Christian. I don't believe that. I mean, to me, he's a liar and he's a bully and he's just not— it says you should know a tree by its fruit. And to me, he doesn't bear that fruit. Um, We vote, I voted for Biden. And I feel like there's not everything that I'm going to agree with that Biden stands for or represents. Just like I'm being a black, uh, being a black woman, I didn't necessarily agree with everything that um, Obama did. So I just think again that This is the world that we live in, and I think that the things that are going to happen and the laws that they're going to legislate and so forth and so on, I just believe that we as Christians, we have to pray, we have to educate ourselves, and we have to cover ourselves with the blood of Jesus, because now that Biden's in office, it doesn't mean that things are going to get better. You can't look to one man to, oh, he's the savior of the world, he's going to make things all right. I've never ascribed to that philosophy at all.
1: But you know what you did by what you said, Faye. You gave a reason for which you voted. Yes. So now that that you're actually out there now, and people that are objective and rational and thoughtful can take what you said and demonstrate your inconsistency. Okay. And, and this is where I really would want Christians to be more thoughtful. for instance, the all allegations that you raised against Donald Trump about you know being racist and and all of this kind of stuff. this is exactly the same man that you voted for this time. This is on, uh, Joe Biden's on record multiple times demonstrating his vicious nasty, strong, elitist attitude toward anybody that challenges him. And he explicitly demonstrated his discriminatory and racist way, not only in terms of, if you you don't vote for me, you ain't Black. It doesn't get any more racist than that. It doesn't get any more racist than that. And whatever Donald Trump has said, and he said a lot of narcissistic things that would make people cringe. Uh, he wasn't as blatant as Joe Biden was about it. And Joe Biden historically goes all the way back to um, his affiliation with uh, one of our um, uh, just uh, passing senators who was in fact known to be um, to be a Ku Klux Klansman. So when we do the research on Joe Biden in terms of uh, the race issue, anybody that's honest in their evaluation would know that we you can't hold Joe Biden up as a non-racist person uh, the other areas in which Joe Biden is problematic could be so easily um, established, particularly the political platform of abortion, uh, same-sex marriage, and a litany of things with which there would be no possibility that I could actually be a man of God and teach people the word of God and then vote for a Biden under those policies. I wouldn't be able to do it, not for thinking people. They would be able to catch me in so many uh full pause so many contradictions that i would i would be exposed for just simply being arbitrary in my choice and i'm, I'm afraid that that's probably what they're going to conclude with you uh not not you know not anything other than the fact that you stuck yourself out there and you you gave us your reason now i do want to say something about voting because you also were quoting a couple of scriptures and i'm not going to spend much time uh, challenging the assumption of what it means to cover yourself with the blood. Cause you just don't, that's just not Bible language. Um, and then the, the other thing is, it's not Bible language in the sense in which you're using it. There's a way in which it can be properly understood, but not in the way in which you're using it, sadly. Um, the, the the other thing is that you stated several times, we are in the world, but not of it. This is often a, uh, a misnomer. First of all, that term is never, ever explicitly laid out in the scriptures. That way you just won't find it. Uh, the way Jesus puts it in John 17 is, uh, Father, they are in the world. But they are not of the world. So the, the Lord Jesus was mediating uh, around the fact that we live in a world and we have a mission here as human beings and as sons and daughters of God, but we are also of another kingdom. But that has absolutely nothing to do with our responsibility down here, such as our responsibility to obey the law, such as our responsibility to represent God Uh, in the Imago Dei as the best human beings we can possibly be, such is our responsibility to operate out of all the stations of life in which other human beings operate, whether it's our job, whether it's our vocation as a husband or a wife, whether it's our calling as a female or a male, whether it's our calling um, as a leader in any of the areas in which we operate. Believers are salt and they are light and we are sprinkled here And it's not for us to be avoiding uh, the privilege of being engaged with our culture. Uh, If you want to, you can listen to the message I preached on Sunday about the importance of the restrainer of evil. There are two fundamental restrainers of evil, and that's law and gospel. God has left the law here for mankind to know the parameters of his conduct, and where we violate God's law, there are going to be consequences. Like, there's a consequence to adultery. There's a consequence to fornication. There's a consequence to uh, covetousness. There's a consequence to lying and perjury and all of that stuff. There are consequences to that. And and God gave us government in order to reinforce the rightness of God's law so that we can thrive as human beings. And uh, honest Christians who are rooted in Christ and know the law of God and know the word of God should simply be promoting righteousness everywhere we go. And what that would mean is even within the realms of politics that we know uh, politics is diabolical and wicked does not abrogate our calling to be prophetic and priestly. And this is why all throughout history, both in the Bible as well as in our history, I talked about this on Sunday, you don't find governments where God didn't place his own men and women in proximity for those governments to hear the word of God. I'll start with Pharaoh. What did God do with Pharaoh? He stuck a Joseph right in in his face. I'll move on to uh, Nebuchadnezzar. What did he do with Nebuchadnezzar? He stuck a Daniel. Uh, has uh, Hazariah, Mishael, and Ananiah right in his face to help him understand his obligation to uh, to, to to serve God. What did he do with King Darius? He stuck Daniel, the sage, in his face. What did he do with Artaxerxes and Xerxes? That would have been in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. He stuck Ezra and Nehemiah in their face. And even the beautiful book of Esther, Esther the queen. What did God do? He took his godly daughter and put her right up there with Hazarias to make sure that Hazarias did not succumb to the diabolical agenda of, uh, of uh, Haman to destroy the people of God. The restrainer of evil in our world is law and gospel, and once we talk about walking away from our obligation to be prophetic, that is to remind the world what the Word of God says and to be priestly, as Paul put it in first Timothy chapter two five that we are to to one rather we are to pray for all men for all that are in authority that we might live a godly and peaceable life down here on the earth. The church has learned for two thousand years how to be in the world. Um, But what happens is we end up letting the world corrupt us. And this is what has happened. I've seen it in my whole lifetime, Faye, that Christians are ignorant, they are undiscerning, and and unfortunately, they're not biblical in the way that they actually navigate their choices. And in this context, I would have to say that if you go back and reevaluate what you shared with us, that you're probably going to want to do a better job next time. I do agree with you. We're not looking at politicians or presidents to be perfect men, perfect women. That's not possible. But when we pull the lever, when we vote, uh, we are wanting to vote for policy, not persons, policies. And those policies have to line up with the Bible or else we have betrayed not only our citizenship to be good citizens, but we have betrayed the Lord because we're, we're advocating policies, the democratic platform, is horrendously unbiblical line by line it is unbiblical there's no justifiable way that we can support it morally and ethically and call ourselves Christian so check it out and then call me back and I actually appreciate your care and concern I really do my, my heart hurts for the fact that I know that there are a lot of people who mean well but but think like you in this area and i hope you're not offended i got to take a hard break i'll be right back yes we are back let's go to line number one and talk with jb in ronard park jb let's hope that your line is clear enough for us to have a conversation with my brother
0: yeah i hope so too man how you can you hear me all right
1: yep so far what's your thoughts
0: okay i'll stay real still uh <laughs> um <laughs> So uh I agree with uh, what you said about uh diversity of opinion. Mm-hmm. Um that is we will help ourselves definitely yeah. the more kinds of people that we um surround ourselves with um, regardless of um you know where they come from and uh God will bless you. I I, I, I sincerely believe that. But we need to be um uh, diligent, like you said, but uh, I, I really like what it says in James chapter 1. It says, let everyone, every single last one of us, be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to become angry or slow to react because yeah. um, that is a practice that God wants every one of us to have. Yeah. And so uh, that t- that's hard for us to do sometimes because somebody might say something where Uh, We are in a um, sadly in a culture where we're so easily triggered. Yeah, that's opposite. That's opposite, brothers and sisters, of what God wants us to do. We we ought to be quick to hear, because uh, it'll actually help us. Uh, It'll help uh, change our our perspective. And um, another thing that's really helped me is traveling. Um, The more you expose yourself, like you said, stepping out of the bubble. Yeah. You know, we're surrounded we, – we, 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 if we don't leave America or if we don't leave our, our uh, bubble, whether it's uh, our hometown or our home state, uh, and uh, expose ourselves to other uh, lifestyles, um, we might think that uh, everything is just like how it is in Dodge and yep. uh, whatever. And then we're also just our, – our, our view of the world – is shaped by um maybe what we only read or only watch yep. so yep. um thank thank God for you know what you watch or what you read and 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 thank God for where he's placed you, but dare to step out of that because my uh that can really open up your 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 point of view, so I agree with that sentiment mm-hmm. and then um I also wanted to say um couple weeks ago, Brother Jorge from Virginia said, uh, we ought to be lovers of the truth. Yeah. And um, the truth, I know, is not always an easy thing to face. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I know that um, wh- one thing I heard a man say recently, uh, earlier this year, was every word of God, every word that comes from God, you know, when God gives us a good word, it's a good word. It may, it may be intimidating. It may be challenging. It may be offensive. If you look at Jesus' life, he offended people all the time. But yes, he, he did. He, he, wasn't, he spoke the truth because he wanted people, if they were going the wrong way, to give them an opportunity to change. So I know sometimes what we hear is uh, it might pull a trigger. It might cause us to react. It might cause us to get mad. Uh, it might uh, upset us. It might um, offend us. But if it's coming from the, if it's a truthful word, especially if it's spoken in love, I just uh, really encourage everybody to allow yourself to be challenged by the truth, and that's the truth of God's word, of course, but also the truth of the reality of the events that are happening around us. We don't want to be living in a fantasy world because that's not going to help us. We want to be facing the truth with courage as much as we possibly can so that we can be armed and know what to do. Uh, We don't want to be caught off guard. Uh, I think of like the challenge in Proverbs chapter 1 where wisdom is calling out, like 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 a woman in the street saying she's just calling out, you know, how long will we love our simple ways? How long will we be naive? How long will we be lazy? How long will we be, um, you know... Um, careless. Yeah, careless. That's not what God wants for us. That's not what... Um, that's not God's plan. God wants us to be, like you said, redeeming the time and also adding to our faith. Yep. Uh, these different characteristics like we find in Second Peter chapter 1 you know, which says if you add, you know, you can, I don't have it right in front of me, but you make every effort to be diligent to add to your faith this this characteristic and that character trait so that we won't be unproductive in the work of Jesus Christ and also in the people uh, that we're surrounded with. So I wanted to make those quick hey. points. I know, dude, we're hanging down, but can I give like three really simple applications for my brothers and sisters?
1: Mm-mm, you can't, because the clock is, I already hear the music going. Brother, you did a great okay. job. You did Wait, a great, real, real, J, real fast, JB, real fast. JB. You could. we yeah. always can talk again in the future. That's why I let you have that run. Everyone will agree, JB did an excellent job. Add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, to your knowledge temperance, to your temperance charity, to your charity godly, uh, godly love. In so doing that, you will be, you will neither be uh, unfruitful nor unbearing in the knowledge of God in the experience of God. That's what we all want to be. Listen, got to go. We'll see you next week. The Lord willing, keep your eyes on Christ.